You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us for church today. I'm incredibly thankful that we get to meet like this online, and uh, at the same time, I'm sure you'd all agree with me that this is less than preferable, um, unless that is you enjoy worshiping in your pajamas. But uh, for me, and, and even though I'm an introvert, one of the best things about being the church is being able to gather together and, and worship God and learn together as a community. And so this is tough, and this is hard on all of us, and I know that. But um, however, even as, as Pastor Blair mentioned earlier, we can still give thanks and knowing that it's not this, this building that unites us, but rather the Holy Spirit who dwells within each one of us. And so even though we're practicing social distancing, and even though we may be feeling isolated or cut off from one another uh, within our own homes, and until we get to gather again, at least we, we can still rejoice in knowing that the same presence of God dwells with each of us as we meet together online this morning. And on that note, I want to take the opportunity that I have this morning to encourage you, each one of you, to, to dwell even deeper upon this glorious truth, to set our focus and our hope on it especially during this time of worry and uncertainty. As Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31 to 34, he says, So don't worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But I know that, that in the midst of, of what the world's going through right now, with, with all this uncertainty looming over our lives, right, that this call for Jesus to dwell on the kingdom of God first, rather than worrying about tomorrow or being caught up by all the issues and, and things that we're worried about, th- th- this can be hard to grasp or hold on to. Uh, let's be honest, for, for many of us, this crisis that we're dealing with right now is overwhelming. I know that every single one of us is currently dealing with situations and circumstances in our lives that we've never gone through or had to face before. We're, we're in the unknown right now, unsure, uh, re- really unsure of what to do, unsure of what tomorrow will bring, unsure if we're prepared for what's coming. And so it's scary and it's stressful. A lot of people are living in fear right now. And to top it off, we're, we're being constantly inundated with, with stats and memes and instructions and new instructions and updates and information and even misinformation about this pandemic. Every single time that we check our email or, or log on to social media or turn on the news or attend a meeting at work, honestly, it's hard not to dwell on anything but COVID-19 these days and on how it's affecting our lives and and affecting the lives of those around us and and affecting the world. And and I hear you. I hear you. It's it's overwhelming. Earlier earlier this week, I was feeling overwhelmed with everything as well, especially with trying to figure out how to handle this whole situation as a church. 
Uh, I was filled with worry about making the wrong decision and what we people would think and, and, and all of that that comes with it, right? And, and I was also becoming anxious about how to help those in need during this time and, and how we'd effectively do and be the church moving forward. But on Tuesday morning after a long sleepless night, and as all these stressors and what-if scenarios were, were racing through my mind at 100 miles per hour, I glanced up for a second as I was about to get in my car. And lo and behold, in front of me was a group of deer grazing on my neighbor's lawn. About six of them, just, just chilling. These deer were just hanging out, content, stoic, calm. Beautiful. And you have to understand this was a rare sighting in my neighborhood on the north side where it's more likely that I'd see a shady deal going down rather than something like this. So, so this was rare. And what was amazing was that as I gazed upon them, for that singular moment, I completely forgot about all the stuff I was worried about. Instead, I was reminded that not everything in the world was falling apart, that there was still beauty and peace and awe out there. I'd just been so consumed by everything that could and was going wrong, I'd forgotten about all that was right. And so it was also in that moment in which God drew my attention to my folly. He made me realize that I'd allowed anxiety and worry and fear to consume and, and overwhelm me simply because I'd been dwelling solely on the crisis at hand and on my own insecurities and on the problems that came with it. I was reminded even as I was drawn into repentance in that moment that what we dwell on directly relates to what dwells within us. What we dwell on directly relates to what dwells within us. We are what we eat, as, as they say. In other words, if, if we're consistently and unnecessarily dwelling and, and ruminating on all the things that will make us anxious, what's going to happen is we're going to become more anxious. But in, in contrast to that, God's call for us to seek his kingdom first is actually an invitation to place all the things we worry about and yet have no control over to place all those things before the throne of the one who's in control. It's a profound invitation to change our perspective, to view our worries in light of what's good and beautiful and hopeful and trustworthy and secure. A week and a half ago, I, I picked my son up from middle school and, and as he got into the car, he seemed kind of down and, and depressed. And so I asked him what was wrong, and, and, he, and he turned to me, and he was kind of fighting back tears, and he said, all anyone's ever talking about at school is this coronavirus thing and washing our hands, but, but now no one's ever saying anything nice or good anymore. So this affected him deeply, this dwelling on the issue, on the crisis. And so I tried to explain to him, you know, that his teachers were only talking about it a lot and dwelling on it a lot because they, they cared about the students and just wanted them to be safe and informed. But still, he had a point. 
And psychiatrist Thomas A. Richard agrees with my son when he writes, we spend hours and hours dwelling and ruminating on the negative and fearful things in our lives. We worry about what could go wrong instead of focusing and paying attention to the rational, the positive, and the good. If you pay attention to the darkness, you will never find the light. And so again, what we dwell on directly affects what dwells within us. So, so even as we, as we live and struggle through this time of crisis, as we deal with uncomfortable or difficult situations, whether at home or, or at work, I want to encourage you to prioritize what you're dwelling on. To be informed, yes, absolutely, we need to be informed, but to also be mindful of what's unnecessarily and negatively consuming your your thoughts and emotions, as well as how it's affecting those around you. To instead take every thought captive and make it obedient unto Christ. Philippians 4 Four to nine, which which the Apostle Paul actually wrote during his own time of suffering and isolation while he awaited his own fate in prison. He, he says it like this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This this passage is telling us that in Christ, every Christian has has been given the capacity to rejoice in the Lord and to be reasonable in our conduct at all times and in all circumstances. And again, in, in, in the light of the crisis we're in and, and, and in light of what some of us are going through, I know this seems impossible. But fortunately, the passage goes on to tell us how it is possible. And there's, it's a three-step program. The first step, then, is by remembering and, and acknowledging that the Lord is at hand. The first step is turning our attention and our focus onto God, who's faithful and trustworthy and is always with us through thick and thin. And that leads us into the second second step, which is then submitting our anxieties and and petitions before him in prayer with thanksgiving. And I want to highlight the fact that this passage isn't teaching us to ignore everything we're going through or to put on a happy face and and pretend that we're not afraid or that we're not worried or anxious at times. No, it's actually saying the opposite. This is is actually teaching us to acknowledge what's keeping us up at night, to, to acknowledge the things that are stressing us out or making us afraid, and that it's precisely when we acknowledge these things and then subsequently lay them before the throne of God in prayer that we then avoid becoming overwhelmed or consumed by them. 
As we come before God in our weakness, he lifts us up by his strength. And so this passage is teaching us that the way we overcome our anxiety isn't by dwelling on these things that we're worried about, but rather through submitting and entrusting them to God in prayer. And as we do, the peace of God, which is so beautifully beyond understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But there's one more step to this, and, and, this, and this third step is important, and we often forget about it. Um, but it, it's, it's, again, it's so incredibly important. Paul then instructs us to replace our thoughts of anxiety, which we've just unloaded and, and entrusted with God, right? To, to now replace them by, by dwelling instead on what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. As we think on and, and practice those things, the peace of God will surely dwell with us. Again, what we choose to dwell on directly relates to what dwells within us. And so in this time of crisis, which we're all currently living in then, let's be mindful of, of what and who we're dwelling on. And if we find we're giving in to despair or anxiety, remember, thankfully, that we can, we can bring these things to God to not only trust Him and find peace, but, but to also have a change of perspective as we're reminded of what's good and lovely. And, and to that end, I have five quick ideas or, or tips for us as we go about our potentially anxiety-inducing weeks moving forward. And, and, and the first, I, first tip is this. Seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first. Seek God first. For example, before you wake up in the morning, uh, or as you wake up in the morning, rather, don't log on to Facebook or, or check the news first thing. Don't start your day by, by filling your head with things that'll make you anxious. Instead, start your day with, with God, in, in prayer, with thanksgiving, and in reading your Bible. And on that end, maybe instead of consuming your day, scrolling through your social media feeds, dwelling on everything that's wrong and all, what all, everyone's saying about, about all this stuff, just set up a couple of times each day in your schedule to check your feed and, and to check reputable sources just so you're informed of what's going on because it's important to be informed. And then turn your phone off again. Log out. Make a decision to dwell less on what's going to cause you fear and anxiety and instead decide to dwell more on Christ who gives us peace and comfort and hope. And in the same vein, maybe before you go into a difficult meeting or before you make a decision concerning your kids or your job or, or whatever, say a prayer first. Ask his spirit to give you wisdom and give you reasonableness in whatever you need to do or say. In all things, seek him first. Trust in him in all that you do, and you'll be less likely to be overcome with worry or to shrink in fear. As it says, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. The second tip is this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Colossians 3.20 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And this is only possible if we're first dwelling on the word. And, and to be honest, with all the social distancing and, and isolation we've been doing, this actually presents us with both opportunity and time 
to dig into our Bibles more than we have before. We have no excuse. There's no distraction. We're stuck at home. We can open up our Bibles. So, so let's do it on our own or even better with our families, with, with our kids. Dig into the Word. Because the more we dwell on the Word, the more the Word of Christ will dwell in us. And the more the Word of Christ dwells in us, the deeper our understanding and greater our hope will be in His promises and in His faithfulness. And of course, the more we'll desire to live out the Word with boldness and in obedience. Which leads us to the third tip, which is to look to the interests of others. Author Simonetta Carr writes, in my experience, I found that focusing on the well-being of others rather than my own alleviates feelings of panic. I am prone to panic when I focus on myself, in spite of my conviction that to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's that strong, innate instinct for self-preservation. But when I focus on others and, and try to see what's best for those around me, panic subsides. This might be one of the reasons why the scriptures tell us that there is no fear in love. So one of the ways in which Jesus calls us to, to, to serve and focus on him is through serving and loving others. And, and as we do this and as we think of others and tend to their needs, what happens is that our own worries and our own anxieties actually get mentally pushed to the, to the margins of our mind. They, they become less important in light of what others are going through and what we can do for them. Of course, there's no better time than right now to be doing this, to be helping one another out and praying for one another and loving our neighbor and those in need. Just be wise and safe as you go about it. But do it. Look to the interests of others. And on that end, if, if you're on the other side of the coin and you need help or, or you're feeling isolated, please don't hesitate to contact us or let us know. We want to be there for you. All right, the fourth, fourth tip as we live through this time is to be in the moment. Again, Jesus tells us not to worry about tomorrow because because today presents enough trouble on its own. And, and this is a reminder for us not to dwell on the things that, that we can't control or the things that we can't predict, but rather to focus on the here and now, to, to be mindful of the presence of God here and now, but also in the same vein, present and available to those around you. Whether it's an issue that needs solving or a child that needs attention, whatever it is. Be in the moment. And, and, and as we focus on and take care of what God's prepared us for and placed in front of us right now, tomorrow won't seem as, as, as important. Besides, we can trust in him to supply our need for whatever comes tomorrow, just as he's doing today. And finally, the fifth step or the fifth tip um, is to rejoice always. Rejoice always. A heart that's strengthened and full of the joy of the Lord cannot be crushed under the weight of anxiety. So remember at this time to rejoice. Remember to give thanks. 
At all times, yes, but practically speaking as well. Maybe have set times during your day in which you intentionally come before the Lord with worship and thanksgiving. To to have set moments throughout your day when you purposely think on all that is good and lovely and pure and excellent and worthy of praise. When you set your mind on the things that are above, on God and His goodness. Maybe give thanks for the day we've been given. Give thanks for his mercy and and his presence, for his love and and, and his many blessings, for for our families. Rejoice in the glorious truth that we have and know a Savior who loves us and comforts us, who carries our burdens and, and gives us peace. Rejoice in the knowledge that he has overcome the world and conquered the power of sin and death through his death and resurrection. That we have a Savior who dwells in us, even as we dwell in Him. In Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 to 30, Jesus declares, He says, All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal to Him. And then, and then He follows that up with an invitation. He says, Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is everything. This is everything. As as we're bogged down by unbearable burdens of uncertainties and fear, this invitation to exchange all all of this and in return receive access to the God of all comfort and obtain rest for our souls, it's everything. Jesus is who we need to dwell on and look to in this time of despair and uncertainty. Jesus is the one who invites us to experience the merciful goodness and glory of God. He's the one in whom we can find hope, in whom we can find peace, in whom we can find rest for our weary souls. And and this is the the great exchange, right? Our our sin and anxiety, our, our fear, our brokenness, our burdens, a weight too heavy for us to bear. Yet Jesus willingly takes those from us. And he carries them and and he he takes them upon himself. In fact, he, he bore all of this to the point of death upon the cross as our perfect sacrifice. And in exchange, he gives freely to the all those who believe in his name forgiveness and grace, peace and eternal hope. A yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. Jesus is the one who proclaims to those who follow after him, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So if you're watching this today and you're afraid of what's going on around you, if you're consumed by anxiety and stressed out, if all, if, if all you're able to do is, if all you're doing is just dwelling on what's going on in the world, I would encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus, to trust in him, dwell on him, come before him with repentance, unload your sin and guilt, and cast your cares upon him. 
and you will find mercy and rest for your soul. You'll find the strength to persevere. You'll find a peace that passes all understanding. Amen. Let's close now in prayer. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually pray uh, a prayer that's found in Ephesians 3, verses 16 to 21. It's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And I want to pray that for us at this time as well. So let's bow our heads and join together as we, as we pray, as we, as we set our focus on God. Pray that the Lord may grant each of you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen.